ladies, gentlemen, and IoT professionals, welcome to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, and uh, as always here on Real World IoT, we're going to strip the varnish off. We're going to get down to the meat of the issues and uh, behind the scenes of the IoT. We're going to talk about some of the, the real issues facing the industry, uh, from industrial to smart home to consumer facing you know gadgets and toys to connectivity and security and data management and everything in between uh from sort of the the code to the edge right and uh we're not going to we're not going to pull any punches we're going to talk about real stuff and i think today uh we're going to have ourselves a bit of an argument so you know buckle in everybody we're going to have a nice time my guest today is uh Evan Cummick uh with Twilio Evan thank you so much for joining me Thank you for having me. Um, Evan, in case folks aren't familiar with you or with uh, Twilio, before we start slugging it out, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, about you and, and your background? Sure. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Evan. I'm a principal product manager at a company called Twilio in San Francisco. Uh, Twilio is a, a global developer platform for building communications experiences, uh, adding communications to existing applications, whether those are web applications, mobile applications, uh, and now more recently, IoT applications and systems. So Twilio provides uh, APIs for voice messaging, messaging as in SMS, as in chat, video, SIP trunking, various forms of different types of communications that developers would want to add to their applications. We have about 2 million registered developers at this point, uh, publicly traded company, headquartered in San Francisco, and I think we have somewhere between five and 10, I've, I've lost count, uh, global offices around the world as well. Okay. And uh, you guys have been, uh, geez, how many years have you guys been around now? It's been quite a few. Yeah. So the company's been around for about 10 years. I've been yeah. at the company for uh, just about seven. So okay. um, for, for a good portion of the company's life at this point in time. There we go. I thought, I thought it had been uh, a long time. I didn't realize it had been all of a decade, but uh, um now, as we were sort of pre-gaming here, uh, folks, I told you, we're unvarnished and behind the scenes. Uh, you should know we, we talk about our topics before we jump onto the air, uh, you listeners out there, uh, if only very briefly, uh, to keep it fresh. And uh, Evan was making the extraordinary claim uh, that there is, in fact, little or no IoT out in the wild. Uh, Evan, how have I horribly, unfairly uh, misstated your claim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so I think that it depends on, on definitions, but there's certainly a lot of connected devices. Uh, there's no doubt about that. With, you, you know, Obviously, you have consumer-connected devices and you have machine-to-machine connected devices as well. But if you look back at sort of uh, when folks were first evangelizing this notion of the Internet of Things, there was a strong notion that you would have devices essentially talking to one another uh, or devices um, sort of uh, being able to share resources and and uh, events between one another without necessarily any human intervention or even uh, without any um, mediating machine mechanisms. So, for instance, you would have uh, an economy of senses, for instance, that were publishing certain amounts of data that could then be consumed by other machines uh, that were then using that data to, to perform some action. And I think like what we see at least today is more um, closed systems, so, so which is completely valid and obviously super intensely useful 
use cases for this, but you know, some enterprise that has some number of connected devices uh, where that those devices are literally only able to communicate with that enterprise's information services. Okay. So whether it's you know um, bike sharing, like which is a huge use case in 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 Asia and growing around the rest of the world, um, those devices are really just communicating with the mobile application that's owned by that organization, right? right. Uh, the, the consumers that are actually writing it. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the home automation and all this kind of stuff seems to sort of work in the same mechanism as well. As in, you know, within the four walls, but nothing outside. <clears throat> yeah, and, and there's the odd uh, case where you get, oh, this system has an API, uh, which is really nice. But I don't know that that's the... That, that the, the, the ecosystem right now, yeah, I don't know that the topology of the ecosystem resembles like what you see, for instance, on the web, well, uh, so which is like a more open system of interconnected, you know, loosely interconnected services. Essentially. For sure. And I think that um, some of what you say is true, obviously. And, and I think that a lot of that comes uh, out of an attempt to uh, treat IoT security like traditional security in that, you know, uh, network security is all behind the firewall and the firewall is what keeps you safe. And I think that a lot of times uh, that's why we get these closed systems. But I I will take umbrage uh, with, <laughs> because I think that the idea that these systems are closed leaves out a, and that they don't talk to each other leaves out a pretty important mechanism, which is the smartphone and the mobile component. Any system that I come in contact with, almost, connects to, talks to, receives information from my smartphone. And if I'm in a smart building or on a intelligent train, transportation system, it knows that. And those two devices are endpoints talking to one another and sharing information and sharing data. And that happens essentially as a matter of course now. Now, do I have to... Uh, opt into that by downloading an app, usually yes, but that doesn't mean that the system doesn't exist, that the the two things are not interneted together by definition. What say you, sir? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right, but 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 you also make a good point that that application is probably coming from the same uh, vendor or uh, owner as, as the device that you're actually connecting to. There's no notion of a, of a URL, let's say. You know, one of the things that sort of um, let the web really grow uh, in the way that it did was this notion of, of a URL. So right. it's like I don't have to have a, necessarily a pre-existing relationship uh, with some web service in order to engage with it. All I need to know is where it lives. Well, right, and um, that's how we ended up with the certificates system. You know, uh, this one's trustworthy, this one isn't, and we don't really have that correct. yet uh, for the IoT. Correct. Um, and I should point out, I don't. I don't. This is not a value judgment on my yeah. part. I'm not like it's not necessarily to say that this is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it's just, you know, it seems to me to be an observation of of perhaps where we could be at some point in the future versus where we are today. Right. right. Which is more more like a collection of networks um, <laughs> than an internet necessarily. Um, I I think that's that's fair that we're a series of networks, but I don't. I think. I think I will make a value judgment about that, and, and I'll say that that's a good thing, because, as Martha Stewart might say, um, because I think that the the internet itself, which is 
the most important part of the Internet of Things, I think, uh, is not in any way built for or equipped for what's going on now, let alone what will happen if and when the IoT and industrial IoT and all smart cities all become ubiquitous. And we're dealing with petabytes of data transfers on a daily basis from city to city and into the the infrastructure supply chain and everything else. I just – that all can't happen on the public internet. It's not built for it. It's all far too privatized. Uh, I think we're in a lot of trouble from that end. And so one of the ways to mitigate that in the long term that we've sort of discovered by accident is – the idea of the private internet that connects only to the to the public hub only when necessary and only with what's necessary to be transferred so you minimize your uh your data dumping you minimize your risk which is of course why we did it um I think that's positive. I think that lets everybody build the internet that they need or want for their specific case if I'm a factory trying to be people-less, a dark factory, I have different needs than if I'm a train line running passengers. So maybe I have two different internet setups for those, and they only connect to the public internet uh, on the rare occasion that I need to upload something to uh, another section of private internet or to the cloud or something else. I think that's a, a, a mechanism, sort of a, a hub-and-spoke model that would work far better than the current sort of everybody plugs into the pipe as close to the pipe as they can get model. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. Like I said, it's, it's hard to, it's actually hard to imagine what a sort of free-for-all world would look like where you have people directly accessing devices and devices having publicly accessible IP addresses, for instance, uh, especially like you mentioned from a security perspective, um, that's a that's a pretty difficult thing to reason about, uh, but but I do think we leave something on the table potentially around um, availability of data and duplication of, of uh, effort and things like that. Like if you are uh, looking for certain types of data, particularly sensor data, um, why you know does it make sense for multiple parties to be collecting this data within the same geographic region, for instance, or is there value to be had by um, making things more readily available uh, to, to other uh, information systems. Right. One of the things I think that, that's interesting here right now is like there's no economy for this. And I'm, I'm sort of a, a little bit of a blockchain um, skeptic, but one thing that blockchains you're in, are... You're in friendly, you're in friendly is, hands here with that, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing that blockchains are actually relatively good for those is uh, mediating transactions between untrusted parties. And one of the only sort of really compelling use cases that I've gotten my head into um, has been around this kind of like sensor data, for instance, or for um, for different IoT applications where you can have devices that don't really need to trust each other and you don't really want them to trust each other, okay. uh, but where they're able to uh, exchange information or uh, maybe prioritize access to a certain limited resource um, based on some pseudo-anonymous uh, blockchain transaction is, is kind of interesting to me, actually. I think so too. I, I think that um, I think that there's got to be as much development in the IT idea of autonomy, which there's lots of uh, thinking and, yeah. and development happening, 
as there is with the idea of anonymity, which I don't think there is enough development happening there. Because as things stand now, and I'm uh, probably a, a little bit more toward the paranoid than the realism side of this, but I don't believe in anonymity. I don't think it exists in any way on the internet, no matter how anonymous you think you're being, you aren't. Uh, and I, I don't, I just don't believe that it actually exists. And so that's why we have security problems. It, the fact that we are not anonymous means that we are at risk. If and part of the problem for that lack of anonymity is that a lot of the uh, companies and organizations and whatnot that are collecting data at this point seem to believe that specificity is important to the value of that data. I disagree. I think that that's short-sighted. I think that the the real value in data is in its aggregate not in its specific. Uh, I think that the statistical analysis of data across a broad data set is much more interesting and revealing than the specific knowledge about a specific device or person, um, unless you have nefarious uh, goals in mind, in which case then the specific is important. But for business practice and, uh, and intelligence and learning, I think the general is much more uh, valuable. So... I would like to see more development go into the idea of anonymity, the idea of uh, how to ascertain identity without specific identifiers and uh, to to give privileges based on um, sort of blank credentials, if that makes any sense. Sure. So I think that that solves a lot of our security problems if – the data is freely available, but it's never uh, able to be attached to any person. It's just sort of available in aggregate. You know, I know that if I put in these general terms and look for this type of data, I will find a data set that fits it. It's just that I'll never know the exact source of that data set, which is a whole right. nother, which is a whole nother level of complexity, because sometimes knowing the source of the data set is important. Uh, but I don't think you ever need to get down to the individual item. I don't think you ever need to know which specific edge node or router or person created this data point. I think you just need to know that it was created under these conditions. Correct. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. And and so um, I think at that point we can actually talk about having open inter-exchange on the, on the Internet, on the Internet of Things, because then everybody's safe by virtue of everybody being nobody. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, and I think, but I think this, this also really only maybe this only applies to data as well that's being generated by devices as opposed to um, uh, maybe transactions that are being facilitated by a device, like I was mentioning before, like maybe purchasing prioritization on a limited resource or something like that. Yeah, um, that gets a little bit more tricky. Um, well, I think one of the so so to, to to back things up a little bit, the product that I work on here at Twilio is is uh, really um, related to global cellular connectivity for IoT, right? Uh, and all of the different different cellular technologies that that become involved, uh, from you know really high speed LTE for your autonomous type driving use cases down to narrowband IoT for um, the sort of future of, of very low low power devices. Um, but there's 
I think implicit in what you're saying, there's an assumption of a trend in use cases, um, which is you know, one of the things that we see in the industry right now is a lot of like quite high value use cases. Right. Um, if you're going to connect a, an automobile uh, to the internet for the purposes of, I don't know, training a um, self-driving algorithm, for instance, right. that's a hugely valuable use case. Sure. Uh, and so, first of all, like folks will pay a fair amount of money for the hardware. Um, it's going to be fairly capable hardware. There's going to be an ROI that can be uh, justified on the, on the edge of connectivity itself. Uh, and because of maybe the high value, uh, maybe there's some amount of personalization or personal identity that kind of needs to be involved at least somewhere in the use case. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I have a mobile application that lets me unlock my car or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, but I think as you move, like, you know, as, as costs come down and the ROI equation really changes for connectivity to the point where you can essentially justify connecting anything to the internet if for no other reason than for maintenance analytics, right? So if you imagine, okay, I can connect any electronic device to the internet for a few dollars right. for a decade, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you start to get a very, very different ROI equation in terms of like the reasons to connect it to the internet. So there may be no reason to connect it from a functionality perspective. It may just be analytics, for instance. Uh, and I think like once we get to that world where you have these sort of lower value use cases that like of a better term, uh, then figuring out how to share that data, for instance, uh, is actually going to be something that folks want to do from yeah. from an ROI perspective. Well, yeah, the unexpected uh, get, nature get... of data is something I'm very interested in. The unexpected learnings, the the things that are not logically correlative, but when we look at the data, we find that they do correlate. Sure. <laughs> you know, things like that are going to be how we create how the IoT actually reaches its potential of creating new uh, yeah, profit streams and, and things like that. Because I think it's fair to say that a lot of people who are very smart have worked in most industries that we have existing at the moment. And though, so, so if there were profit streams and, and types of business models that, uh, that were going to be profitable, someone would have worked on it you know if we could if we could think of it as humans if there if we had the data sets available the only way to find out what the new data sets are is to look at things that we don't expect to be relevant and so i i, yeah, I look forward to that uh, yeah there's also just this cost equation you sure. know um i ignore that <laughs> yeah i mean you know re realistically if you want to connect uh say say five years ago you wanted to connect a non, well, you could even say a Wi-Fi network because Wi-Fi was so much less pervasive even five years ago. But right. if you wanted to connect a device to the internet, uh, you had to have a fairly good reason to do it uh, because of the cost. Right. So the cost of the of the customer support, the cost of the hardware module, uh, the cost of potentially paying for connectivity on a on a licensed spectrum network like a cell network. Yeah. Uh, you, you had to have a fairly decent reason to do it, and so that that sort of limited, I think, the amount of um, available data that was being published in aggregate as well. Uh -huh. But as this, as the cost equation goes down, like I'm saying, you can justify connectivity based on, on really simple things like just monitoring for maintenance or um, usage analytics. Like if you're, if you're a, a hardware vendor of any type of appliance, you may, it may be so cheap that it's worth taking this thing to the internet just so you can learn a little bit more about how people use it so you can improve the next version of the product.
Yeah. And when you start doing that, then all of a sudden, okay, now I've got a lot of opportunities to generate a lot of uh, other data as well um, from from potentially other sensors that are already built into that device or that or that you would add exclusively for the purposes of collecting that data. Yeah. Then the whole picture really changes. I think I think you're right. I think that that cost and ubiquity and and um, just ease of access is going to be a huge factor. And we're a long way from ubiquity. We're a long way from uh, sort of the infrastructure being everywhere it needs to be. Um, I anybody who's who's talked to me at any length about the IoT knows that I'm a wild-eyed optimist about its potential in terms of being a, a force for societal change, for sustainability and environmental work, for you know feeding the hungry, curing the sick, and making the lame walk again. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, you know I think that that efficiencies in energy uh, transfer and generation are going to be transformative for the planet. I think we're going to be able to get much better at uh, cold chain and, and moving food from places where it's easy to grow to places where it's pretty hard to grow and feeding people who have trouble getting to food. I think that all of that stuff is just going to make everything cheaper and more cost effective and that we can't get there until we have ubiquitous internet everywhere at a decent speed level and some sort of uh, impetus to do it. Now, the cheaper it gets, the impetus becomes easier, I think, as you've just been saying. But um, the, I think that one of the things, and this might be uh, near and dear to your heart, uh, one of the things that I think is going to be important to that is the idea of the interface. I think that a, a since we essentially live in the original text-based Internet still, I mean, yeah, it's dressed up, but it's post basically text-based. If you do anything, you're typing at a keyboard on the Internet or clicking a mouse, which turns those signals into typing at a keyboard. Uh, I think that interfaces like voice and and video and and other more sort of natural interfaces that humans are good at are going to be very transformative in the way that we use the IoT and the Internet. How do you feel about that sort of broad optimism? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's it's, it's pretty important. I mean, that's really how we got involved in this problem to start with as a company was we, we saw a lot of IoT company, uh, IoT product makers, let's say, uh, using our other products to, to build really uh, well-rounded uh, IoT solutions. And that's kind of one of the things that we really want to bring um, to our developer community is not just, hey, we're working on this connectivity product. Uh, it's going to be we're working on yeah we're working on this connectivity product, but we've got all these other tools that you can use for building best of breed mobile experiences, web experiences, doing multi-factor authentication, doing all these uh, various other things. But I think what you're getting at actually is at some point the IoT device uh, in a lot of these use cases actually disappears from the user experience entirely. So you know you're you're interfacing with a mobile application or you're interfacing with a web application or a voice application, or whatever it is, a, a virtual reality application. And the IoT uh, is really just acting as a, a series of inputs and outputs to that experience versus yeah. I'm standing at some device that I uh, 
actively identify as an quote-unquote IoT device, pressing some buttons or whatever it is. Well, right. The best case scenario to me for the IoT is invisibility. It It should be a facilitator. It should be the plumbing in your house or or turning on your light switches where a few people know how it all works and, and anybody who wants to can figure it out, but mostly it just works and we don't worry about it. And it facilitates doing the thing we actually want to do. That would, that would be nice. <laughs> I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't say that there's many IOT experiences in my life right now that work, uh, work, work exactly that way. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. They all seem to be a little bit harder than you want them to be, but, uh, I think we're moving in the in the right direction, and my optimism Absolutely. my optimism will uh, will win out in the end. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if we came around to uh, to agreeing or even arguing, but uh, <laughs> well, I think I think I still stand by my statement. I'm just I'm not actually and, and never really have been sure that that should be the goal uh, <laughs> to have this yeah you know, this 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 uh, disaggregated set of of devices that can sort of interact with each other directly, whether that's via backend services or not. Um, I think like based on some of the visions that you've been saying today, though, like we will see more of that for sure. Uh, if you have tens of thousands of devices on a city block, uh, it does seem like a waste to not have them uh, be, be sharing data either with one another or with, with other with the uh, nets of devices yeah. owned by, owned by, you know, potentially different uh, organizations. And, uh, you know, I, on the other hand, uh, welcome our soon-to-come IoT and robot overlords, uh, and I, I think that Skynet really has our best interests at heart. <laughs> Where can folks find out more about you and about Twilio out on the worldwide interwebs? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the product that I that I run at Twilio is called Programmable Wireless. You can find that at Twilio.com/wireless. Uh, Twilio is T-W-I-L-I-O. Uh, and my name is Evan Kumak, and you can email me at ec at twilio.com, which is just echo charlie at twilio.com. And, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, put those links to in the show notes, uh, so folks will be able to find you. Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll make sure that everybody uh, who's looking for you, Evan, uh, most likely to uh, tell you how much I'm wrong, and they agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll be able to. I was going to. Uh, I was going to say I'll give out some social links, but I've been I've been a little bit uh, retiring from from social recently, so email is probably the best way to, to get oh, in touch. Oh, really? Me. Now, why is that? <laughs> now, we shouldn't get into. That, but, uh, I'd we love to get into. It. I think there's a lot of people right now in the world who are who are thinking about social media diets in a different way. So. <laughs> well, I think that uh, that's a conversation for another podcast and another day, but. Uh, um, Folks, you can find 151 Advisors on Twitter, at 151 Advisors. Uh, They're not going anywhere for now. Uh, And, uh, of course, you can visit them uh, at uh, 151advisors.com. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this episode of uh, Real World World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Please give us a uh, like, a rating, a review on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and wherever else you listen to your favorite free podcasts. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you have any feedback for us, please please feel free to tweet at us. Uh, We'd love to... uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Again, that's uh, 151advisors.com and on Twitter at 151advisors. I have been Ken Briota, your host, and this 
has been Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. We'll catch you folks next time. Have a great day. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.